In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. On this episode, unknown flying objects shot down over North America, toxic train derailment in Ohio, and uh, Dr. Fauci admits the COVID jabs don't work, all that and more. We're going to get into all of these things with the editor and publisher of World Affairs Brief. Once again, Joel Skousen is with us on President's Day, no less. Hey, Joel, how are you? I'm just fine, Richard. It's a normal work day for me, but uh, I don't usually take federal holidays. Good to be with you. Likewise, likewise. Uh, let's begin with the, um, well, I don't want to, it is a UFO flap in, in, in a sense that they haven't identified these flying objects. So by definition, they are UFOs. Of course, first we had the, uh, the spy balloon from China that was shot down, not until it had traversed the entire continental United States. Um, and then following that, we had one mysterious object shot down over Alaska, another one in northern Canada, and a third 
in, um, I guess, in Michigan uh, near Lake Huron. And uh, the military, kind of coy, I thought, about, you know, what these things might be. What do you think is really going on there? Well, the interesting thing is that uh, they've become more active about shooting anything down. Uh, Seymour Hirsch revealed today that they shot down a weather balloon from the University of Alaska. Uh, so <laughs> they're a little bit hyper about this right now because of all the publicity. Some have, have accused the government of trying to in, in increase Joe Biden's credibility by suddenly taking action after letting the... Uh, the spy balloon from China traversed the United States. Uh, as I covered in the World Affairs Brief, I'm not sure how much intelligence they really gained. Uh, the U.S. knew it was coming. They had spotted it clear into Canada before it entered into the United States. They issued a warning to military bases along its path to uh, uh, keep any aircraft in hangars so that there wasn't much to observe. And uh, There's been a, a little bit of disinformation about this, uh, such as perhaps this is prepping for an EMP strike on the United States. But I think that that's unlikely, even though the U.S. did a test using a balloon for a nucle small nuclear device to, to test uh, an EMP strike. Uh, it's very, very difficult to get these balloons to maneuver. And it would take, let me put it bluntly, it takes eight to ten high altitude nuclear explosion to take down the U.S. and Canadian grids. Eight to ten, not just one. And so trying to launch a balloon from, or a series of balloons, eight to ten from China, and hoping they make their way to the designated spread out attack points for a DMP is just virtually an impossibility. Now, these balloons did have some maneuvering capability. That is, they had Uh, solar panels, they had uh, electric motors and propellers. But, you know, when you're in the jet stream with about 100 mile an hour uh, travel speed, anywhere from 80 to 140 miles an hour, actually, and you've got the ability to move a huge balloon, maybe 10 miles to 20 miles at the most, you're not going to get much maneuvering ability out of that. As an example, as I covered in the brief, one of those balloons from China went down, clear down as far as South America, That shows how far off course they can get without being able to maneuver. So I've dismissed the EMP threat um, because of the number of attack balloons that it would take uh, to do that. And besides, Russia and China have the missile capability and numbers of missiles to do an EMP strike, which I predicted will happen about 15 to 20 minutes before a real physical nuclear strike on military targets, not cities per se, but military targets so they can blackmail the West into submission. Um, one of the most interesting things about the balloon uh, or the shoot-down fiasco since the balloon is that uh, the, the Department of uh, Defense gave a classified briefing to selective members of Congress. And there have been several leaks by members of Congress uh, telling in general that we can't talk about this, et cetera, but the U.S. government is concerned But Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana made a very interesting statement in that he said, well, you may have thought that this is a new phenomena because of the way that the United States has faced this. But in our briefing, they basically admitted this has been going on for decades and that they've been tracking this. So this is not something new for the United States that China <clears throat> has been using balloons. Uh, in light, because it's much cheaper to do than satellites, which they don't have a lot of surveillance satellites up there yet. The um, 
Defense Department claimed, though, that they were, or the Biden administration claimed that they were spotting more of these because, and, and I'm now referring to the three other incursions after the initial spy balloon, that they tweaked their radar filter and therefore they were able to spot these and that's why they're seeing more of them. Do you buy that? Well, only partially. Um, first of all, the revelations by Senator Kennedy in, indicates that, you know, this is not true. They've been seeing these before. I'm sure that they did tweak the radar. Now, you, you can't tweak the radar itself. They're picking up everything. What you tweak is the filter that alerts them to an invasion or an intrusion. Normally, those filters are set for high speed, small targets such as missiles or fighter jets or bombers, which are large, large targets coming in. And they don't get an alert normally on uh, a weather balloon because the weather balloons are up all the time. Uh, that's why if, if Seymour Hersh is right, they shot down a weather balloon because they've been a little bit too sensitive about trying to protect the public from, from balloons. So I think there's partial truth in that but it's probably leading to more errors than it is to anything else. Now, as far as the other shootdowns were concerned, um, they aren't releasing hardly any information about how those, uh, those objects are up in the sky, whether or not they're drones, self-propelled drones, or carried by a balloon. One was supposedly a car-sized object over Alaska up at 40,000 feet. And, uh, you know, it takes quite a bit of propulsion to get a car-sized uh, uh, object up to 40,000 feet. And the U.S. has been criticized for using a $400,000 missile, you know, to shoot down a car-sized object, whatever it is. Now, I have no doubt that the United States flew by that thing to find out what it was before they shoot it, shot it down. So they're not revealing what it was. And so we're kind of left in the dark. But the Department of Defense did announce that these were not you know, extraterrestrial alien things. And I tend to agree with that even though I know as a pilot, having talked to many of my other pilots who have seen actual unidentified flying objects, that these are not capable of being shot down. Navy pilots have indicated these things go from 30,000 feet down to sea level in a second. You know, they make right instantaneous right-hand turns. They disappear off the screen. Uh, objects within the Newtonian physics mortal world that we are in can't do that, period. And, you know, we have no record whatsoever of the United States military being able to track for a long time and actually target a weapon to any of those actual UFOs. Um, for uh, We do have, you know, the Roswell experience of a UFO crashing in the desert um, and various accounts of them picking up uh, alien bodies and doing an autopsy on them, but nothing that was shot down uh, I believe uh, they're just too too difficult to to target and shoot down because of their advanced technology, whatever it is. But interesting enough, I don't think UFOs are interfering with the U.S. or or the world itself. But they're certainly interested in tracking what we're doing. I found initially they were they whatever the the Biden administration, the military, somewhat coy about what they might be and whether they might be UFOs. Uh, we just, we can't rule it out. We don't know, I think was the quote. I, f I thought perhaps they were, they were being deliberately coy, maybe using this, you know, this enormous interest that, that's out there in UFOs 
as a distraction because at the same time, roughly, that these incursions were taking place, we had the Seymour Hirsch article on the uh, Nord Stream pipeline, blaming it on the United States. Uh, we had um, more excess mortality data being released. We had the, um, uh, there was a, a, a data dump, I think, document dump re relating to uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, a number of different things. Oh, there was the, the uh, train derailment ongoing fallout from the uh, train derailment in Ohio, which we'll talk about later. Do you think that that was deliberate, that they, whether or not these incursions were real, they decided, let's hype it up, let's focus people's attention here, rather than particularly the Seymour Hirsch article on the Nord Stream pipeline? Well, it's a possibility, uh, but they would have, and they did evade the Seymour Hirsch article. It was a complete blackout from the mainstream news, period. Um, so they would have done that regardless of having other news to fill in um, that. So, you know, I can't make a definitive statement. But what is interesting about the Seymour Hirsch article about the, you know, and I predicted in the World Affairs Briefs that this had to be a U.S. operation because we're the only ones that had the technology to do that from a distance. And he outlined the the insider who whistleblower uh, who talked about it. And, uh, you know, I've always made the statement in the world affairs brief, there are no insiders on our side, uh, you know, uh, regularly talking to an Alex Jones or uh, Mike Adams or uh, Dave Hodges, et cetera, the, the normal conspiracy crowd, because they would get caught in an instance with NSA total control of, uh, of the electronic atmosphere. But, a single-time whistleblower throwing out this information is a very real possibility. He does seem to have accurate information. I did question his claim, however, that Biden was integrally involved in this decision. I don't think that's true. I think Biden is too much of a loose cannon who might slip something out uh, in an interview to have been let in to the degree to which that whistleblower claimed. He might have been doing that to give credibility to his statement and to give cover, if he was an insider, he was giving cover to the intelligence agencies, claiming that they were doing it legally by bringing in Biden, but I don't think that's true at all. Now, as to the um, um, submarine um, uh, technology of dry, uh, Asana buoy uh, technology, I have a, little, a few questions about that, being a former military pilot, knowing about sauna buoys and what their capabilities are. Um, it is true that you could use a sauna buoy, the technology of a sauna buoy, to trigger an explosive, but not with a regular sauna buoy. All right? In other words, radio frequency waves really get eaten up by water very, very fast. They're unreliable. To be able to trigger an explosive on the bottom of the ocean would be very difficult with airborne radio waves. Now, if you use sonoboy uh, or sonar uh, sound waves uh, to use that trigger, you would have to have built a special sonar uh, buoy uh, to put out a pulsed code that it could not, it's not just a different frequency. I mean, there's errant frequencies all over the place. You'd have to have a, a coded digital sonoboy code, and normal sonoboys don't have that capability. So, uh, I'm saying that that's logical that they would use a sauna boy, but it would have to be a special operation. And the U.S. is very, very capable of doing that kind of electronic technology. How do we get a copy? How do we subscribe to the World Affairs Brief? The World Affairs Brief comes out every Friday. 
it's showcased on my website, worldaffairsbrief.com. And on the left-hand side, there's a little label in red says request a sample. And if you click on that and request a sample, it gives you all the details about how to subscribe either for a month or for a year or two years. Uh, and you can get that sample copy to get a sense of the kind of information that I put out. I concentrate in the World Affairs Brief on telling people what essentially the deep state is doing to our Western uh, societies, mostly U.S. and Canada, rather than uh, normal news. So it is in-depth commentary. With my own perspective on conspiracy, I'm probably one of the uh, um, best experts on the general theory of conspiracy and what they're up to and what their plans are of anyone here on Earth. Just back to the Nord Stream for one moment, uh, because as you were explaining how to subscribe, uh, I mean, one of the things that you really cover is, I mean, you dive into the foreign press because there's such a firewall around the, the mainstream media here in North America. So often we find snippets of the truth in the, in, in the foreign media. How is the Nord Stream or Seymour Hersh's story about the Nord Stream explosion playing in Germany, who basically own Nord Stream? It's all over the place. In Germany and in Russia and in all of the Eastern European states, everybody knows now that the U.S. did this. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that the the Hungarians have come forward and and served as a secondary conduit for Russian gas into Germany and saved them this winter uh, at a at a premium price, of course. Uh, so it really was it was effective in terms of shutting down the Russian sale and making uh, uh, Germany totally dependent on Russian gas, which I warned against many, many years ago. I said, this is really stupid from a foreign policy point of view to uh, for the Germans to do that. But, uh, you know, you've had Angela Merkel and Olaf uh, Schultz, uh, both the former communists, former, I put in quotes, who knows uh, right now, switched over to the globalist side, apparently, but they're still playing footsie with the Russians. So uh, it's a murky situation over there. Uh, we'll take a quick time out, come back, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the uh, horrible, toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, and more. Joel Skousen, editor-publisher of World Affairs Brief, back with more in a moment. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Follow Richard on Twitter at Richard Serrett. For show information, visit the website strangeplanet.ca. Joel Skousen, editor, publisher, World Affairs Brief, worldaffairsbrief.com. It's been over, well, two and a half, almost three weeks since the train uh, derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Vinyl chloride, which is incredibly uh, carcinogenic and, and other chemicals aboard. Uh, these uh, tankers that derailed. Um, why did it? Why did it take the the Biden administration, the Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, so long to respond to that? Did it have anything to do with the fact that that particular part of Ohio voted like seventy one percent in favor of Donald Trump? <laughs> no, no, not at all. This is a this is a, a real train wreck, and uh, there have been over 300 derailments in the United States in the past years. So this is not that unusual, but it is. Um, it was predictable, however, and the, and the railroad union is really after uh, uh, the uh, 
the railroad there because of having a super long train of some 800 cars, et cetera, which puts a lot of stress on the railroad tracks, et cetera. And if you have a break, you know, it can, can derail. But, you know, the, the U.S. has been shipping, uh, you know, these toxic chemicals around for years and not alerting anyone to the danger that's involved when you have a derailment. Uh, and the worst thing, of course, was that they all authorized Governor DeWine of Ohio, as well as the federal government, authorized this to burn that vinyl chloride, which creates dioxins, which is a very, very toxic carcinogen, as well as put a lot of smoke into the air, which even reached up to Canada, I heard. Um, so uh, there are now fish dying in the water. There is now um, um, acid rain type toxic plumes that have come down at least 20 miles away and animals are dying. They're having to do autopsies on them. It's interesting that Daily Mail covered uh, today some of the water so uh, cleansing effects. And here you see them spraying a lot of stuff, whatever it is, on all the creeks and things. Remember, a week ago, they were saying there's no danger. You know, everybody can go back to their homes. Everything's hunky-dory and people are getting sick. There's now at least one major class action suit from people against the federal government on this. Uh, but, you know, I have to worry when you're going to clean up a toxic chemical spill with other chemicals. Uh, I don't think the water is going to be very good to drink, frankly. And I think there's going to be a lot of long-term damage here from this. Some have described it as America's Chernobyl. Is that hyperbole or is that accurate and fair? Oh, that, that, that's hype. I mean, uh, it's... It, First of all, it's not that broad of a range considered to Chernobyl, which covered a thousand miles uh, and had long-term cancer. These will have long-term cancerous effects uh, if people aren't healthy. You know, the body can clean up a lot of toxic things if, you have, if you're very healthy, but people in that area are not noted for being particularly healthy. A lot of obesity, uh, a lot of diabetes and other things, which makes a person susceptible not only to COVID, but these kinds of toxic uh, chemical blooms. Um, so everyone should be drinking pure water imported from outside the area and not drinking the tap water or drinking anything associated with that. And they should be very, very careful about, uh, you know, I think the air has fairly well been cleared by the storms that went through in the past uh, two weeks, but some residual chemical wafting can come up from the air uh, if it's still in the, uh, on the ground. So we're not out of this by a long shot. And the government's really got a black eye, and so does Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. And, the, you know, a lot of the American right is criticizing Biden for taking a secret trip to Ukraine for show and tell rather than visiting the Ohio area to, although that would have been just a token visit, political visit anyway. Uh, I don't give much stock in that. Uh, everything the president does is political, so... Right. Um, Northern Suffolk, uh, are they on the line to pay for this cleanup entirely? Well, they put aside a billion dollar, you know, not a billion dollar, a million dollar fund, which won't even come close to this. I think the federal government is going to have to step in and do that. Their biggest problem is going to be the liability. They could have a billion dollar liability suit on their hands and it's going to put them out of business probably. Really? This is like a $53 billion cap company, Northern Suffolk. Yeah, but they don't have that, you know, that's all in railroad stock and, and right. railroad lines and things. Uh, they're not that solvent uh, in terms of uh, profit that they can absorb a million dollar hit. And it may be more than a billion, I'm sorry, a billion dollar hit. And it may be more than that, depending on what the courts uh, decide. 
How did how does this happen? Uh, is it um, was it deregulation? Uh, is it you know not enough inspections on brakes? Uh, not enough rules in terms of like when you're rolling through a town like that that you got to slow down on the, on the bend or instead of speeding up for efficiency. What's what do you think is at work? Yeah. Here? Yeah, the, the railroad union has complained about the, uh, you know, deregulation of the railroads that have allowed in. And some of them they complained happened during the Trump administration. Um, it was going probably too fast for the condition of the rails. Uh, there were problems with brakes. There were problems with uh, trucks, which are the carriages underneath uh, uh, these, these cars. Uh, yeah, when you're going to carry toxic waste, it's got, you've got to have regulations as akin to the transportation department on, on trucks going on interstate highways. I mean, uh, the regulations are pretty severe, but they're relatively lax about railroad cars with uh, toxic chemicals. And I think there's going to be a movement for a major clampdown uh, on those. Now they have to somehow ship those things, but I think they're going to have to be on special trains with warnings that they're coming through your town and they're going to have to be small trains. So they're not part of an 800 long uh, rail line, which exacerbates uh, a, a derailment, frankly, that wouldn't have happened had it been a, a you know, a 20 car uh, special hazardous uh, railroad uh, carriage. And also the decision, as you pointed out, to, to burn it off so that they could clean the clear the track as soon as possible. Had they not made that decision, would they have minimalized the, the, the environmental and health impact? It would have been localized to that particular area. It would have been disastrous to have that vinyl chloride in the soil, and there would be very difficult. They would have had to remove the track take down about 10 feet of soil and around the area, but that would have, but right now by burning it, they expanded that plume, you know, to a hundred miles and now made the, the, the cleanup impossible uh, because you just can't uh, detect and clean up all the soil in a hundred mile plume. We've got farms in the way, you've got animals, you've got uh, crops in the ground. Uh, they made it impossible now. Joe, we'll take another time out, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, Dr. Fauci sort of letting the cat out of the bag, admitting these uh, COVID jabs, not uh, what they were made out to be. Uh, file that under suspicions confirmed. Back with more in a moment. Truth will set you free, free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we're back with Joel Skousen, editor, publisher of World Affairs Brief. Once again, Joel, how do we subscribe? Uh, your listeners can go to worldaffairsbrief.com and click on request a sample, a little label in red on the left-hand side of the website, and you'll get a sample that tells all about the brief how to subscribe to it and be able to read the actual Friday's brief so that you'll get uh, an idea about what I talk about. All right. So Dr. Anthony Fauci, now that he is nicely retired, uh, has finally come out and said that the COVID vaccine, um, well, he said a couple of things. One, uh, it probably wouldn't get approved, uh, I guess, the way that other vaccines, if we applied the same sort of standards that we did to the measles jab and so forth. The other thing is he said that, well, this was a study that found that the, these 
jabs are not effective against the var- the variants, which you know I think m- many of us have long suspected anyway. Well, they weren't effective against the original virus itself, so it's no uh, no surprise that they're not effective against the variants. But what was interesting is that he. He basically, and he and his other two researchers who actually led the paper, I don't think he did much research, but he added his name to it, which I find a little surprising because even though Fauci is all over the map, he was first against masks and then he was for masks. And, and you know, he's been all over the map uh, about this in his leadership about this uh, COVID-19 uh, fiasco. But to admit, you know, that even the flu vaccine has been totally ineffective, this was... And basically, the paper admitted that there is no vaccine that's really effective against viruses. And that's been the truth for a long time. They've long known that there's no viruses just mutate so often. There's just no way to create a vaccine, even the flu vaccine. You know, you're talking about a a vaccine for the flu variety that was, you know, months, if not years old. And by then, the flu is, is completely different when you take the vaccine. So it's kind of a prophylactic, as they said. People think that it's doing any good. But actually, now that they're all mRNA vaccines, they're going to do the same damage that mRNA does to the body uh, in the vaccine. He doesn't admit to that. I mean, that's something that the establishment will never admit. It makes them extremely liable for all of the excess deaths that are being reported around the world, Germany leads the world in excess deaths. Um, I'm surprised that Israel doesn't with the highest rate of baptism, and they may not be reporting it, for example. But uh, excess death means that uh, people are dying at an abnormally high rate with no other cause, and it's past the COVID itself. It's not because of COVID, and, and they're claiming they don't know the reason. But we know the reason. It's because of the residual effects of having those spike proteins float around in your blood, in your body, getting into your brain, getting into your organs, and worst of all, getting into the heart muscle, causing myocarditis and various neurological diseases. So it's interesting, and I and I don't know if we're ever going to get the specifics. This has been one of the biggest conspiracies ever in the world, that this was, first of all, a worldwide pandemic worthy of shutting down everybody, and it really never was. It really was only uh, dangerous to old and chronically ill people, of which you could have done isolation and other things to keep them relatively safe. They used it as an excuse to promote a vaccine that they have been uh, ready to put out even before the va- the, the COVID-19 thing uh, sprung on us. So. There, there is a great deal of evidence that this was a conspiracy to uh, damage people's immune system in the long term. Uh, it probably was not a proper bio or a genocide weapon in the sense that everybody took the vaccine is not going to die. The CDC fact just came out and admitted, which I'll be covering in Friday's brief, that it is true that only 5% of the batches of the vaccine caused most of the damage and the death. And that means in my opinion, that the vaccines are not uniform, that they didn't dare put the full dose in all of the vaccines, or you would have had a mass uh, deaths, and it would have discredited vaccines forever. And they couldn't afford to do that because vaccines are one of the prime weapons of slow death within um, our society, that the depopulation agenda, which is part of the globalist agenda, uh, is very real and, and aimed at. So they decided to put it in only about 5% of the vaccines so that the damage would be limited. And then 
And that means that the people who took the vaccine were the guinea pigs. They were being tracked and experimented on and watching the batch numbers. It turns out a majority of those batch numbers went to red states, which is interesting, meaning they were targeting conservatives for death uh, and damage to their uh, systems. It wasn't exclusively to red states, but the majority of those bad batches did go to the red states. So this is a very bad thing. I'm surprised that Fauci would even admit what he did. Uh, he didn't admit to the big story. It's one of those things that conspirators often admit to a small portion of it to diffuse public concern or to say, yeah, you were right about a small, but they never admit to the major conspiracy about the vaccine creation itself. And of course, Dr. Fauci, if you've ever read uh, The Real Dr. Fauci by uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I mean, this vaccine is just a pittance compared to all the falsification of vaccine trials they've done over the decades, especially about the AIDS vaccine, which has never worked. Um, this is a really a corrupt system, and uh, I've come to the conclusion that no one should ever trust Big Pharma again to create a vaccine, never trust them again, nor the government regulators. You mentioned Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I know you write about this in this week's brief as well, and that has to do with his assertion that this was a Pentagon operation from the get-go, that, uh, that these companies like Pfizer, they reaped the profits, but it was all run by, and that's why they didn't, they weren't required to do any proper trials. The military ordered this. It did exactly, I guess, what it was supposed to do. Yes, they were all military subcontractors, uh, meaning that they were under the, the shield, the liability shield of the U.S. government. And, you know, you need something when you have as dangerous as a vaccine as this one has been with the high death rate and the damage rate. Boy, you need super liability uh, because, uh, you know, if people really, if the majority really knew how deceitful and how deceptive this whole vaccine push out was when the whole government would be liable for a massive class action lawsuit, despite the so-called immunity that they have for, for vaccines. I mean, you could go after the Pentagon. Of course you can't. You know, they have what they call uh, governmental immunity uh, that you can't sue the government uh, for things, which is very sad. Uh, and unfortunately, when you do sue the government, we, the taxpayers, end up paying. I mean, these people never lose their jobs, Richard. I know. They get promoted, if anything. Yeah, they, they get, get promoted. promoted. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, I don't think you, well, you may be covering this uh, in a future brief, but uh, George Soros uh, complimenting Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida saying he's shrewd and he's ruthless and uh, basically not an endorsement exactly because George Soros isn't going to come out and endorse a Republican candidate. But I don't know whether he was trying to sow division, basically saying Trump is finished and, and uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is going to be the Republican nominee. And of course, now many people are turning around and thinking, OK, DeSantis is a globalist. So I guess Soros maybe accomplished what he set out to do. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, the jury's out about Ron DeSantis' background. He certainly comes from an elite Harvard-Yale-type background. He is very ambitious. Uh, he and his wife have stated openly before they want to run for president, and he clearly is going to run for president. I'm always skeptical of someone who really you know, is ambitious about a president because you're going to have to compromise if you want to win in today's manipulated electoral uh, uh, and divisive uh, electoral uh, society in the United States. But this was not George Soros's actually intent to promote Ron DeSantis uh, per se. 
what he wanted to promote was the idea that Ron DeSantis is probably going to win the Republican nomination and it's going to force Trump to run as a third party candidate, split the vote. And then he says, that's what I really want. I want the Democrats to win because the Republicans split their vote. So that's the purpose behind his, not because he was an endorsing necessarily a fellow globalist. I don't think uh, Ron DeSantis is a globalist per se. I just think he's very smart. He's much more savvy than Donald Trump was. Uh, he's capable of seeing who's deep state and who isn't deep state. Well, I, I can't say that really. You have to be a conspiracy expert to, to know who's deep state and who isn't because the only reason I know whether James Comey or Christopher Ray or Robert Mueller were deep state is I could track their participation in deep state cover-ups of 9-11, of the Vince Foster murder, like uh, Brett Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court. Uh, so that's how you can tell. I mean, because really the the list of who's deep state and who's running the deep state is, is the best kept secret in the world. None of us are ever going to know that completely. We will know some of the front men like Henry Kissinger or the big new Brzezinski or George Soros, et cetera. But those are not the people that are really calling the shots behind the scenes. Um, so but you can tell who they put up for political office and who they put up by their participation. Uh, you know, Arlen Specter, the senator of Pennsylvania, was the uh, executive director of the of uh, the JFK assassination uh, commission who covered up, you know, the fact that our government killed uh, JFK. He created the magic bullet theory. Yeah, he did. And he got rewarded by being a senator from Pennsylvania. Later on in life, tried to switch parties back to the Republican. It's just amazing what these people will do, Richard. Uh, Nikki Haley announcing that she's running um, and immediately, you know, drew a lot of criticism. One of her first announcements about a, uh, an, a speaking event or a fundraiser and uh, someone noted on social media that uh, you had to be vaccinated in order to attend. Uh, and here she is talking about we need uh, new fresh voices in the Republican Party. You know, she sounds like she's, this, this is like 1995 and she's running. She might as well be George W. Bush. Well, Nikki Haley does have political ambitions, and but she's a real mainstream, if not a, an outright rhino Republican. Her big thing on, uh, on carbon is now carbon capture. Well, carbon capture has been around for a long time, and it's an expensive boondoggle. Carbon is not a pollutant, period. And to even get on that bandwagon is, uh, you know, the, the corporate media falling into the carbon pollution mantra is almost as bad as the woke uh, transgender and gay uh, accolades that corporate America gives out. It's just almost as bad and, and completely phony. But I think the real purpose of Nikki Haley running is to split the vote off from DeSantis. Um, it's going to make sure that, that uh, you know, uh, Trump runs. And of course, you've got all kinds of, you might, Pompeo's going to throw his hat in the ring. Of course, Mike Pence, as well as there's Governor Asa Has uh, Hutchinson, even Rhino Republican Chris Christie of New Jersey is going to throw his hat in the ring. They'll split so many parts. But I still think those will be weeded out in the early ballots of the Republican convention. It's going to end up being a two-man race, DeSantis versus Trump. And uh, DeSantis could very well uh, win over Trump. Uh, he won't win the base, but the base isn't who sent to the Republican National Convention. They're more mainstream Republicans that get to the actual convention. So you don't think Trump will run as, a, as an independent, a third party? Is it Trump? Yes. 
you know, I don't, th I can't see Trump going out, you know, and bowing out gracefully. You know, his ego is too great to do that. Uh, he might be willing to throw the uh, the race by running in as an independent, probably not as a third party, but it's, I wouldn't put him past as well, starting his own, you know, social media group and other things. He's got the money to do something like that, but it really would guarantee that even Joe Biden could get, re get reelected if the Republicans split their vote. Once again, Joel, how do we subscribe to World Affairs Brief? Readers can go to worldaffairsbrief.com and uh, read a summary of the brief at the website and then click on request a sample on the left-hand side and get an actual copy of this week's brief. And it tells them all the details of the various ways in which you can subscribe. It's a very modest, about a dollar a week subscription to support my work. Fantastic. Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.